Make sure you're subscribed to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Type The Word of the Lord Endures Forever in your podcast provider. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. I assumed that Paul had passed out from the pain of the stoning, But it is possible, I suppose, that he actually died and the Lord Jesus raised him and said, nope, you're not done suffering for me yet, nor are you done preaching the gospel. Back you go. You got work to do. It was quite miraculous either way. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the book of Acts. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. So previously, Paul and Barnabas had just arrived at Lystra, apparently no synagogue in that town. So they commenced with preaching to the Gentiles there who would listen to them. One who listened to them was a crippled man, crippled from birth. Remember that Paul, seeing he believed his message, gave the man the command to rise. And he got up and walked about normally. This leads the superstitious Lycaonians to assume that Paul and Barnabas are actually Hermes and Zeus showing up as men. When the priest of Zeus shows up to offer sacrifice to them, they rip their clothes and dash into the crowd, proclaiming themselves to be just ordinary people of flesh and blood as they can see, and urging them to turn from these empty ways to the true and living God who is actually the one who has done them all the good they have experienced in their life. But the apostles barely managed to keep the people from offering sacrifice. A reading from Acts, the 14th chapter, beginning at the 19th verse. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Acts 14, verses 19 to 23. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort from your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, 
now and forever. Amen. Ready to meditate through today's passage? Let's consider it. Verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Word must have reached the synagogue in Antioch that the two they had driven out were spreading their message further. So some Jews undertake to travel the 95 miles from Antioch and pick up some of the opposing Jews from Iconium, and together they journey the additional 20 miles down to Lystra, also that they could stir up trouble for the apostles. And note the fickleness of the crowd. The same folks who had been ready to do sacrifice to the men through whom a miracle of healing had taken place are now stirred up readily enough to actually put Paul to death. They stone him, believing they've killed him, and drag his body out of their city. If you remember when we studied 2 Corinthians, Paul mentions this, 2 Corinthians 11.25, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. This is that one time when Paul was stoned, when Paul speaks of bearing on his body the marks of Jesus. He's referring to the scars he bore from all these assorted persecutions. Verse 20. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. I assume that Paul had passed out from the pain of the stoning, but it is possible, I suppose, that he actually died and the Lord Jesus raised him and said, nope, you're not done suffering for me yet, nor are you done preaching the gospel. Back you go. You got work to do. It was quite miraculous either way. With the disciples standing around him, no doubt in tears and shock and mourning, he opens his eyes and gets back on his feet. And would you look at what he does? He heads right back into Lystra. So don't imagine for one second that their fleeing the impending lynching in Iconium was cowardice. A coward would not walk right back into the place where the people who had just tried to kill him were. And why did he do it? St. John Chrysostom tells his congregation in Antioch in the 4th century, What then must one do? The same that he did. He did not hate those who cast the stones. After they dragged him out, he entered their city again to be benefactor to those who had done him such wrongs. He gave his sore body some rest that night, but despite the pain he must have been feeling, come morning, he grabs Barnabas, and they head on down the road a little farther, reaching to Derby, another 78 miles or four days or so journey. Verse 21. When they had preached the gospel in that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, and to Iconium, and to Antioch. We don't learn much about their ministry in Derby other than that it was a smashing success. The word bore its fruit, and in that place they made many disciples too. Derby will be the furthest reach of this first missionary journey. From this point, they began backtracking on their steps, back to Lystra, back to Iconium, back to Pisidian Antioch. They go back the same way they came, to give comfort and encouragement to those who had believed. Thus, verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So, rather than be concerned about their own safety, 
they purposefully re-enter place after place where they had suffered and been persecuted. Paul never just preached the gospel and then moved on. Always in his heart, he carried those whom he had personally reached. This becomes evident as you peruse the personal greetings that he uses to close his various epistles. These are people whom he remembered by name and prayer before God. And so he cared intensely that the good work begun in them would be brought to completion. For that to happen, they needed to be prepared for what was bound to head their way. If they continued in the faith, then they could count on tribulations galore. Paul never hides this from his converts. To pitch in your lot with Jesus is to accept that in this world, you're going to experience a lot of nastiness. Remember how he would write later to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Or how he reminded the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 3, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. And in this, the apostle is just faithfully proclaiming what Jesus himself had said. John 15, verse 20, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they keep my word, they will keep yours also. Or again, John 16, verse 33, I've said these things to me that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So, to be a Christian is to expect to be persecuted and hated and given all kinds of grief and tribulation and trouble in this age. I remember a delightful old homebound man who entered into glory many years ago. I think nearly every visit I ever had with Albert Mueller and his delightful wife, Florence, she was, by the way, a native of the Isle of Man, Albert would find some way to get into the conversation this verse, Acts 14.22. He'd say something like, well, you know, pastor, like the good book tells us, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. That's the path then, suffering here and now. Glory there and later. Verse 23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Paul had not been terribly long in any of these cities he visited, but as he prepares to take leave for a while, he selects in each place men to whom he can commit the care of these fledgling congregations. That is, he ordains presbyters, or as we would say, pastors or priests. The English word priest actually comes from the Greek word presbyter. He lays hands on them and sets them into office, convinced as he is doing so that it's the Holy Spirit who has actually ordained them. Check out Acts 20 verse 28. Now, a quick clarification. In my church, my synod, we have men who are called elders, But their office is not to be confused with what Paul's talking about here. Elders, in our sense, are men who assist the pastors and act as their wise counselors and advisors. In fact, in German, we used to call them Vorstern, 
or I guess we'd say in English, head men or chief men. Paul doesn't mean elder like that. Whenever he uses the term, it's always simply equivalent to pastor. That's where we're going to call our break for today. Next up, we'll get a relatively quick summary of the end of the first mission trip. They come down from the hills of Pisidia all the way back to the coast to Perga in Pamphylia. They stay there for a little while preaching the word. Then they go about 20 miles to Italia, from which they set sail, we presume back to Seleucia, but certainly at last on up into Antioch, that is Syrian Antioch. For some reason, they don't revisit the missions on Cyprus yet. All told, the two had traveled about a bit more than 1,200 miles in the months they'd been gone, perhaps a little bit more than a year, maybe a little less. Back home at Antioch, they assemble the church together and they give their full report on all that God had done with them and above all, how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. They ended up staying there in Syrian Antioch with their mission base for some while, a time of rest and refreshment from their hard labors and sufferings. Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.